A major question of the 21st century is what does it mean to be human? School boards, parents, um, movies, um, your friends at college, everybody, everybody's discussing the meaning of humanity. Is there such a thing as a, as a human nature, a human condition, an essence of humanity? Are we atoms bumping against one another in the cosmos? Are we the very creation of Almighty God? What are we? Welcome to another episode of the Pastor Theologian Show. Today, we are having a conversation with Owen Strand, who is Associate Professor of Christian Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We're talking to Owen about his new book coming out August 1st, Reenchanting Humanity, which is a work of systematic theology and specifically theological anthropology. Let's get right into our conversation with Owen. Owen, delighted to have you on the show today, brother. Thanks for being with us. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great to reconnect. We've been friends for a good long while now. I'd say it's about 15 years we've yeah. been friends, Owen. Yes. Yes, I'm very thankful it for It goes your back friendship. about that far. I think it's we're, we're, we, we used to be young, young, promising, aspiring people, and now we're just middle-aged dudes. <laughs> I know you got to right? you got to revise that uh, that famous tagline to middle aged, uh, contented, hopefully still reformed. You know, so yeah, revise as you see fit. <laughs> contented. There we hopefully go. still reformed. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, well, it uh, uh, we're thrilled to have you on the show today, and we want to talk about. Uh, your forthcoming book. We're thrilled to be able to interact with you before it's even released, Reenchanting Humanity. So we're, we're super stoked about that. Um, and uh, though, of course, we could talk about a thousand things. Maybe we'll, we'll touch on some of the, the other things I'd, I'd love to talk with you about along the way in our conversation uh, about your book. Um, but maybe it would be helpful, Owen, for you to give us your, for our listeners, um, many of whom I assume will know you or know your name at least, um, but if you could give us your life story in, in four, min- four minutes or less, that would be super helpful, just to set some context. Uh, born and reared, Owen, kind of Christian conversion story, uh, education, and your current ministry context. If you can do that all in four minutes or less, <laughs> that'd be marvelous. Yes, I'd love to. Um, I, I am born. Uh, I, I am born. We're off to a good start. I was born in Maine. I'm born again. Yeah. Uh, so I have that going for me. I was born in coastal there you go. Maine. There it is. I was born in coastal Maine. I, uh, I was raised in a Christian home. Very thankful for my father and mother who raised me to know the Lord uh, in our small, roughly 50-person Baptist church. Um, I went to a Christian summer camp uh, when I was nine, and I think that's when the gospel really clicked into place for me. I knew that I was a sinner deserving of hell for my sin. I knew that Jesus really and truly was um, the one who died for uh, sinners like me and would wash me clean with his blood if I would trust in him. And so that was the moment when the Lord really got a hold of me. Um, I was at a public school uh, from K to 12 in Maine, and uh, it was a good testing ground for um, a very young Christian. Frankly, it was fairly tough, you know, to be a Christian in that kind of post-Christian, pretty secular New England environment. Um, I doubled down on secularity when I went to Bowdoin College, uh, a small private liberal arts school that was ranked by Princeton Review as one of the most secular colleges in America. 
uh, while I was there. It was academically wow. pretty tough. And again, not many Christians there out of uh, 1,600 students. 25 students would show up on a weekly basis for the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship meetings. So, so the Lord... <laughs> and you maintained your faith through that time, Owen? Yeah, the, that's where the Lord really grew me, was that kind of tough wow. environment where professors openly challenged your faith and the tenets of Christianity and these sorts of things in class and, you know, typical college campus with all that's going on there in terms of the secular worldview and outlook. Um, but God used it for me, and it's been honestly a real tremendous proving ground of sorts, knowing now that I was later going to try to engage in some of the contested issues like I cover in this book uh, that we're talking about, because I had to learn to have a kind of tensile Christianity that could try to respond uh, to these challenges. So didn't do that perfectly, but, but did try to learn that. And then after college, I went to Capitol Hill Baptist and interned under Mark Dever, And then I went to Southern Seminary for three and a half years and did my MDiv. I met my wife, Bethany, uh, while I was at Southern. She's the daughter of Bruce Ware, the theologian. And so um, then I I, I met him in my shepherding group and and got to know the family and uh, am thrilled to be married to the lovely Bethany. And uh, then I went to Trinity. Did you you meet the daughter first or the the father-in-law first? I saw... The daughter, I saw Bethany and I was like, yeah, that's, that's a target for sure. But uh, I didn't get to know her and, uh, until later. I was in Dr. <laughs> Ware's shepherding group. Something to look into. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, yikes. Uh, so um, then I went to Trinity in 2008, did my PhD there. No, under- don't, don't, I, I'm tempting you to digress, Owen. <laughs> this is your fault. I, uh, I, I, uh, I did my PhD <laughs> under Doug Sweeney wrote on the neo-evangelicals and how they jump-started the evangelical mind in the 1940s. And in the middle of that, I got a call to go back to Southern and voice and teach systematic theology and also secondarily church history. Did that for five years. I'm now at Midwestern Seminary. Got a call here in 2015. I teach systematics uh, at the PhD and MDiv level. I have three little kids, ages 10, 8, 5, girl, boy, girl. And I've written a few books, and I love the Lord Jesus Christ. That's about it. That's awesome. Love it. Uh, why, why church history? How, how is that an interest in not systematic theology or New Testament exegesis or something like that, Owen? How did, how did that happen? I have happen? always loved story. So I love studying doctrine and I love teaching doctrine uh-huh. and have taught systematics now for about a decade. But I don't know, man. I, I guess it was that my MDiv was so exegesis heavy. Yeah, I have five uh, classes yes. in Greek and five in Hebrew. And, um, I read about Harold Ockengay and I was just really gripped by his story in the 1940s of how he tries to lead this movement of evangelicals to re-engage the culture. Um, but from a strongly convictional standpoint, and I, I don't know, I guess I just wanted to kind of delve into his story. So that's why, that's why I, uh, I studied Ockengay and the neo-evangelicals. And that's Ockengay of uh, Park Street Church in Boston. That's exactly correct? right. He's not as known today. But in his heyday, he was a titanic figure. He really was with Billy Graham uh, and then Carl yeah. Henry, Henry being the theologian, Graham being the public face, the evangelist. Ockengay forms that neo-evangelical triumvirate. And he was really the statesman, the, the mover and shaker who put things together. Um, he's the first president of Fuller Seminary. He's the first board chairman of Christianity today. He's the pastor, as you rightly said, Zach, of Park Street Church for about 30 years. 
He's renowned as a preacher. I mean, he would preach these stem winder hour long sermons on, you know, all Mm -hmm. sorts of doctrines and uh, had tons of Harvard and MIT and Boston university faculty uh, in his church. So anyway, important figure. Yeah. And by the way, that's a, that's a marvelous book. I really enjoyed that book. Owen, the title, the great, the great Evan, the the awakening of the evangelical mind. Is that what the title is? Yeah. Awakening the evangelical mind. That's right. That's an, that's an excellent book. Why why did you move from Boyce to Midwestern? What was the the decision there? May I ask? Absolutely. Uh, I loved my five years at Southern and Boyce. Um, Tremendous school Uh trained under Al Mohler. He mentored me. Was so thankful to be at that school. Uh, I got a call from Jason Allen in 2015 to uh, enter really seminary teaching in full. I was doing some of that at Southern, but the call to Midwestern was really a call to push myself uh, and develop as a theologian. Yeah. Not that you can't do that, of course, at the college level, but for me, when you know, a lot of times our development and maturity comes through the call, right? Um, well, we're not necessarily yes, even expecting, yes. um, and I wasn't. I, I, I wasn't expecting it or looking for it. Yeah, I lead our residential PhD program here. And that was just, yes. I mean, I don't know. Um, how can you turn down an opportunity? How do yeah, you pass that up? Stretch yourself <laughs> yes. and go deeper. So that's that that was the main genesis there. Yeah, that that makes that makes a ton of sense. Uh, oh, and one one last question about your background. You I've always thought you would make a marvelous pastor, but you haven't served in in full-time pastoral ministry. Have, talk to us about that for a second. Have you been tempted? Have you been close? Have you thought maybe in my next life I'll do that? The siren song. I had to ask that. You're talking to the Center for Pastor Theologians, right? You knew that was coming. But you would you would you would make a marvelous pastor theologian. I mean that sincerely. Um, and I just I wonder if that was ever a dilemma and existentially sort of a challenge. And you you interned with Mark Dever, so that must have kind of been yeah. inspirational as well in thinking about pastoral ministry. Yeah, I appreciate the question, and you are. Um, putting your your thumb on really the the central dilemma I've faced at this point in my life. I mean, probably tells you what a nerfy life I've had, but um, that was very challenging for me. And um, to this day, I have a very strong love for the local church and um, for the model of the pastor yes. theologian. Obviously, the matter that initially connected us and Gerald Heaston and so many other good friends. Uh, so appreciate the CPT and its work. Uh, and that it, it's because of that love. It's because of that, that uh, zeal to try to strengthen the church by strengthening really the officer core of Christ's local church um, pastors, seeing themselves as theologians. So um, what to say in public? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking to become a pastor, but my goodness, I mean, I, I, uh, I think it's, I think it's that really the calling of callings on, on planet earth and here at Midwestern, if I'm not going to be a pastor, uh, at this stage in my career, I want to do everything I can to strengthen pastors, um, uh, with those convictions in place. Hey everybody, just a quick note about our annual conference here at the Center for Pastor Theologians. This year's topic is Techne, a Christian vision of technology, and we will be hosting this conference in Chicago on October 14th to 16th, 2019. We have a lot of great speakers lined up, including Andy Crouch, Pastor Charlie Dates, Karen Swallow Pryor, and a great lineup of pastors, scholars, academic theologians, and 
sociologists, as well as tech experts. It's going to be a great set of conversations, and I encourage you to go to our conference website, cptconference.com, to learn more and to register. Let's get right back into our conversation with Owen Strand. I follow you on Twitter, and so I enjoy seeing a lot of your tweets. Um, and and, and what, one of the things that's evident is how how um, much, f- I'll put it this way, fun you have and delight you have in working with the students mm. you're working with. Um, that's encouraging. And also just following the, the Jonathan Edwards New England tour that y'all just did recently looked like a gas. I was wondering where my invitation was. I wanted to go on that thing. Man, it was so much fun retracing the steps of Edwards, so many churches, along, historic churches along the way. And, and so about 40 students from Midwestern joined us out there. And it was, it's just a joy. I'm also trying to give students a little bit of taste of what ministry is like in the Northeast so that they might consider that. That's marvelous. Well, thank you. Thank you for the background. Let's talk about the big book, Owen. And by the way, it is a big book. My goodness. How long did it take you to write that thing? Oh, it's yeah. like 400 pages was, or something. It, it's hard to say how long it took because it was, <laughs> you know how it is, Todd, um, multiple stages of writing. Yeah, yeah. So research and writing yes. all told with, I think, three different stages of editing after initial submission. I mean, definitely two to three years. And so it's about, it's over 400 page book, um, over 500 footnotes. It's my first work of systematic theology at the kind of academic level re-enchanting humanity. So I'm thrilled to have it finished and, uh, and, and out very soon. I want to ask you, I want to ask you about the title re-enchanting humanity, which is a marvelous title. I love that. Um, but let me just make another observation. You've poured a lot of, uh, um, I, I haven't read all 400 pages I've skimmed and scanned, but I, there's a lot of your own, uh, you, these are these are topics and issues you talk about in the book that you've been working on that are kind of front burner kind of prophetic passions of yours, Owen, I'll put it that way. Is that for, that you that have been on your front burner for years, right? Yes. I mean, it's, in other words, this is, I don't, I, you're reading it, scanning it, doesn't strike me at all as this is just an academic tome that you churned out because you're interested in this because as an academic discipline. This is, this is front right. burner passion for you. Is that right? And talk about that a little bit. Yes. Yes. I, I just, in surveying the literature, we have hundreds of books on, for example, person of Christ, work of Christ, divine providence, eschatology. When it comes time for a a master's level course, MDiv course, or even doctoral class, PhD class, assigning a book on anthropology is kind of shot in the dark venture. You're sort of like, what am I assigning exactly? Let's let's go to MDiv level. I mean, Hokuma? Well, Hokuma is very good, frankly, a great Dutch reformed theologian. But uh, Hokuma is about 30 plus years old. Uh, and, and so you can take Hokuma and, and you can apply him. But in terms of many of the hot button issues of today, yeah. they're not dealt with not quite there. directly. Yep. So this isn't an ethics book. Reenchanting Humanity is a systematic theology book. But any anthropology, frankly, even high level, that doesn't at least have some conversation with the major anthropological questions of the day uh, is in danger of leaving pastors, students, fellow academics without, you know, sort of biblical light that we might, might need. And here, here's the deal, Todd. Here's what prompted this. I've been working on different facets yes, right. of anthropology, as you said, for almost a decade yes. now. struck me 
in conversation with some friends, in, including Gavin Peacock, a friend of mine, pastor in Canada, former UK Premier League footballer. Um, we were talking and we realized uh, in our work with the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood that when it comes to these anthropological issues, we're really at one of these uh, rare inflection points in, in, in history. Yes. Where in the 16th century, the major issue before the church is, is salvation, right? What does it mean to be saved? And the reformers give their, their answer. They recover the gospel. Uh, in, the, in the 20th century, the major issue is scripture. Uh, you know, is the Bible the very word of God? Is it inerrant? Is it authoritative? What do these words mean? That's the major question of the 20th century. The major question of the 21st century is what does it mean to be human? Yes. Um, school boards, parents, um, movies, um, your friends at college, everybody, they yeah. probably don't know the term anthropology. Everybody's discussing the meaning of humanity. Is there such a thing as a, as a human nature, a human condition, an essence of humanity? Are we atoms bumping against one another in the cosmos? Are we the very creation of almighty God? What are we? Are we robots? Are we yeah. automatons? Should we upgrade ourselves according to transhumanist thought? Uh, do I have no fixed sex? Is my brain sex different from my anatomical sex? Um, what does it mean to be just, to, to treat another person as if they're not a, a doorknob, but a person? What, what does it mean that my skin color or my background ethnically is different than another person? All of these. Yeah, amazing. Are anthropological questions? Yeah, that's good. Theological. That's really good. Uh, so, so that that all th- this constellation of concerns and interests and what drove the project. That's marvelous. That's marvelous. Talk to us about the title, "Reenchanting Humanity." That's a yes. that's a clever, interesting title. What what are you trying to get at with that? I stole the concept of enchantment from Charles Taylor, yep. the Canadian Catholic philosopher. No, 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 not stole. Um, adapted, adapted. Owen, you just adapted. Adapted. Thank you. <laughs> I got I got to work. My, uh, my promo copy here. Um, <laughs> Taylor wrote a secular age um, in which he talks a great deal about uh, enchanting and, and and the effects of secularism. And he actually goes very different direction with sort of intellectual history than I go. He sees the Reformation basically as causing, to a significant degree, secularism in the modern sense. I would go the opposite way and say the Reformation rescues um uh, you know, humanity from its predicaments. But anyway, um, that notwithstanding, um, I think that Taylor is right, uh, that fundamentally something has to happen spiritually and theologically in a secularized age like ours. We have to enchant the cosmos once again. And as we were just talking about what's at the center of these things, humanity. So what do we need to do in this project of enchantment? We need to re-enchant humanity. In other words, we need to understand humanity as the very creation of Almighty God. That takes you to concepts like the image of God, Imago Dei. Um, that takes you to Christological anthropology. Christ is the true man yep. uh, who, who truly came to remake humanity. All sorts of different places we could go within that, that those discussions, but that is what I meant. That is what I was after with the title Reenchanting Humanity, colon, A Theology of Mankind, to, to understand humanity and theos centric and even Christocentric terms. That's marvelous. And, and um, it, it would be right to call it a theological anthropology, but when you open it up and you look at the table of contents, it doesn't unfold the way one would expect when you think, well, this is a theological anthropology. You have chapters on race and ethnicity, technology, 
a whole chapter on sexuality. Mm. I mean, it's it's it looks in a sense like an ethics. Mm. Yeah, um, theology is always going to bear on ethics. But the point I actually make is that if you even just follow the flow of the biblical storyline, um, you you already have mankind as the image of God in Genesis 1. In Genesis 2, you have this marvelous picture of Adam as working uh, literally in the, you know, the vineyard of God, the garden of God. Mm-hmm. So he's a priest king. So the work is there right off the bat. Now, here's the funny thing. To, to your, your just point, um, take a systematic theology class, basically any evangelical seminary. When is work going to come in? Right. Here's the answer. Never. Part of why the church has so many struggles related to work and vacation and poor stewardship of money and not being philanthropic and, oh man, 10,000 other problems is because we don't have a theology of work. So my text is not going to be the book, though it might look that way, um, is not going to be the book to, to give to somebody to say, um, here's how you can know hour by hour how to work unto God. My text is trying to say, here is a theology of humanity and part of a proper Biblical theology of humanity needs to involve a theology of work. This is crazy. Yes. It's crazy that we wouldn't have a theology of sexuality when that's after the image of God. Really the first thing we learn about humanity that we're either male or female, we're either man or woman. Um, so, so the, it could look it could look ethics ish. Um, it certainly will touch on ethics, but it's not an ethics book. It's a theology of mankind. Yeah. I think that's great because there's something that's so natural about that flow of thought that the theological guild has, in some measure, I think to your point, left behind a little bit. Whereas when we talk about this wider cultural conversation that's happening and will continue to happen in the 21st century, when people are asking what does it mean to be human in this kind of informal, just everywhere, every conversation you're having in our culture right now, it's all about yeah. questions of like, how do I spend my time? How do I vacation? Who do I have sex with? Like, and that's, so I just, all that to say is I really appreciate your point. Just that, that seems like a very, like if we're going to be doing theological anthropology, certainly that would have something to do with my vocation as just a person in the world and who I have sex with, because that seems to be a pretty normal thing that a lot of human beings do. So if we're not talking about that, I I just think that's great. I really appreciate what you're doing here. Oh, and you'll appreciate this. When I was uh, uh, being examined for ordination uh, a number of years ago, I wrote a 32-page ordination paper for my ordination council. And uh, it was a two-hour discussion with some great people on the ordination council. Uh, and, uh, uh, but the, perhaps the most pointed question at the end was, um, Todd, you haven't said anything about ethics or the implications and application of any of this doctrine. Uh, and wouldn't that be lovely if, if your ordination paper as a pastor wouldn't that be had, lovely? had something about work, sexuality, race, and so on and so forth, the kinds of things you talk about in your book. So all that's just to say what you're talking about is, is so true. And, and I, th- I think your your book is marvelous in um, uh, framing things up the way you've framed them up. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Be sure to tune in next week for part two of our conversation with Owen Strand. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the CPT Podcast, a theology podcast for the church. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider throwing us a like, sharing the podcast online, subscribing, leaving a review. Anything like that would go a long way towards helping other people hear about the podcast. The CPT Podcast is a ministry of the Center for Pastor Theologians. You can learn more about the CPT by visiting us at pastortheologians.com. You can also find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Our producer and editor was Trenton Jones. Our music was composed by Andrew Gerlicher. I'm Zach Wagner. Thanks for listening.